part two, y'all. Get ready. Ugly Xmas part two. If you didn't listen to part one, that's the last episode. Part two kind of runs like one of our regular episodes, except with a twist. I'm in charge. You're in charge. Now, for the last 12... I'm the Charles. You're the Charles in charge. (laughs) For the last 12 episodes, I have led the discussion with what it is that we're looking at, talking about. This time, Alicia's taking the reins, and she's showing us how deep her analyzation has gone. Wow, that that was nice. You put that very nicely. I am very diplomatic. (laughs) <laughs> I get crazy. I get crazy, y'all. I get deep in the crazy, mystery-solving vibes. Yeah. Listen to it. Get ready for part two. Hox Pox Talks. For the last 12 episodes, I've kind of been leading the conversation, right? Just showing Alicia and explaining the backstory of characters and events and significant things to give her all the complex and overlapping nitty-gritty details that are X-Men, that are the X-Men universe, because it is insane. Uh, Yes, it is. It's highly insane. I don't know if you want to react to anything about uh, having tried before or just the overwhelmingness of it. Yeah, yeah. So I I tried before. Justin was like, hey, there's this is this is a great place for you to start reading X-Men comics. That's what they said. Yeah, that's what they said. And I, I love it. So I was like, yeah, sure, all right, let me give it a whirl. So I read the first issue, and I, I, I was like, I have no idea what is happening right now. I don't understand this. I'm confused. And then I started to read the second issue, and I was just like, you know what? Time, place, not adding up for me, not working. We started the podcast. I got this book, um, the one I was showing you earlier, the 12-issue compendium, and it was – yeah, go ahead. Um, just, just so you know, so this this 12-issue launch, right? So this is written by Jonathan Hickman. He is a pretty big name in comics writing, and he pitched this to Marvel as, you know, we're going to do a line-wide reboot. We're going to cancel everything that Marvel's doing currently with X-Men, and they planned this for like a year or more, and he he pitched them on this, this grand idea of this world and this this introduction so they canceled everything that was currently going and then they issued one issue a week for 12 weeks to launch hoxbox and at first i was like oh i'll 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 get you know like every three weeks i'll go and i'll grab them every single week i was there because i needed to know what was happening next because i was so interested well so that kind of is what happened to me right as we kept going i was like all right i'm into this and then i got the book and it's all in one place and it's right in front of me and i'm getting to flip and do my page turn noise while we're, while she we're loves doing. that. She loves the noise. If you haven't heard the episode where I tried to steal it from her, oh. she lost her. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, I did. I lost it real intensely. Um, but so what I did is I went through and I read it and I also listened to our episodes. And now what I just want to do is like, I just want to go through and I just want to point out a couple of things that either were like insane aha moments for me or things that I'm kind of questioning um, and some connections and ties I made along the way. So first and foremost, um, for anyone that maybe heard those little hints we put here and there, we were finishing the series, The 100, while we were recording. <laughs> and I just have to bring up the fact that those two things, 
are so in line with this idea of, so the 100 has anomaly stone. Oh, you know what? Spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm just going to say that if you watch the 100, 100 and you're not done watching it. Just mute for like, just like 20 seconds. Yeah, just give me a, a just give me a, a second to get this out. So they have these stones that are on different planets and you can travel from planet to planet through the stone. And this whole thing ends with this idea that they want to transcend to become part of this higher being that is a collective of beings. And it's basically like all these universes and all these worlds have all transcended and humankind is the only kind that has not yet transcended. And it's basically the only way that I understand the phalanx. And so if you've heard like little quips like, oh, a ring in the sky, a ring in space, that's a hundred reference or talking about the anomaly stones in connection with um, uh, when they're talking about the phalanx and the, and the worlds and the black holes and the singularities and all that stuff that still makes my brain explode. There's it's intense. That. It's intense. Powers of 10, like literally blew her mind even, even weeks after. Like, I think during that episode, you're like, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I understand all of this. No, because it would be a complete lie. Yeah. Uh, even, even after like an hour of explanation. And, and I, I, I'm not saying that as a discredit to you because I, having first read it, needed to read it a couple of times to just I try and place what was happening. It's still, I'm, I'm pretty sure somewhere in my notes, I have something about that. So let me just, let me just get going with my realizations. Okay. Number one, in the grand scheme of timelines, I finally understand now that in year 10 is when the Orcus protocol is launched. Mm -hmm. And that is because of Krakoa becoming a nation. Is that yes. correct? Yes. That finally clicked for me. Like, okay, Those slowly but surely, I'm starting to understand this insane, like, powers of 10. The three things that happened, right? The population alert. Yes. The territorial and the, the financial. So Xavier had... Yeah, all, all those drugs, drug companies that he had, he had taken and, and built together. And yeah, so th that was the three things that Orcus was watching to check up on mutants to make sure they weren't about to blow up humanity. Because they're, they're the bad guys. So actually, in connection to that, one of the things that I love the most um, that I just want to bring back up is in that first issue when Magneto is explaining. And so he has the ambassadors there and he's talking to them and there's like all these really beautiful panels um, I don't know like how well you can see whoop, wrong way all of these but there are all these like really um, the artwork in these books is out of control amazing. shout out to Pepe Larraz, RB Silva and Marte Gracia uh, just great work pencils and colors is beautiful it's gorgeous stuff like uh, there's so many things in here I want to frame um, but one of the things that Magneto says he says where you see an instrument of war I see an un oh no what is that word Unassailable yep. refuge. Reading is hard. Um, that's quite a difference. So I feel like, you know, it's just so interesting because Magneto is always this guy who's just, he wants... He wants his own thing for mutants and he, he doesn't think of it, you know, he's a bad guy a lot, especially like in the movies and stuff, but he's not thinking of it in terms of, like, I just want to destroy you. He's thinking of it in terms of, like, safety first for us, like, survival for us. Preservation and then, yeah. yeah. And so just this idea that these humans are looking at this creation of, of an island nation that's specifically just for mutants. And their first thought are all the ways that 
the mutants will use it for war or for destruction and just the commentary on that and into like, no, it's just for safety. Like I, I just want something for myself and to just kind of distance myself from you because you're constantly showing us, you know, that you don't care about us. So I just thought that was a really nice quote. And just that whole, that whole series of art too, when he like finds out that one of the guys has a weapon and he's like all of that pulling it out and like I'm Magneto, like I can still take you. You can't, down. Mess, you can't mess with Magneto no matter what you brought to the table. Yeah. Okay. Is that, that Hoxbox or is that or is that House of X one? Yeah, that's that's number one. Um, I did want to point out so during during recording and then even after the fact, I kind of I set out these markers to check and to to kind of see when certain things happen. So I just want to take a second and, and do that. So the first time that you enjoyed going through an issue. House of X number one, right out the gate, right out the gate. We, oh, we look did at it. this. You were taking notes about me? I was taking notes about you and taking notes about the podcast. Yep. Uh, love analytics. I'm a nerd. Right? What? Uh, a nerd? You? Yeah. First time that you started reading sections of an issue was House of X number one. You started to read ahead and you started to get really excited about like, ooh, what comes next? What comes next? Yeah, I did. Uh, just completely spacing out on what I was saying. Yeah, just... I wasn't paying attention. Nope, nope. <laughs> Uh, and well, those are the things that happened in House of X number one. All right, cool. All right, so number two is Powers of Ten, and it kind of alternates between different yeah. Stories. So there's these two these two books basically that go two stories that tell two to, books that tell one story. They tell one story. That's what he said. Okay, so in number two, oh wait, first one more thing in in number one in House of X number one. I finally, it was like, bing, the forge is Soul's Hammer. Yes. What? Yes. Yes. So the forge is the ring in space that the humans are going to live yes. on. They have acquired Soul's Hammer, which is an item that Tony Stark had built. They acquired it through some shady means or, or just shady business. Know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, damage control and, and, Iron Man and Reed Richards, they couldn't keep their, the, the stuff that they wanted to. And so they lost access to this thing. Um, and then they used Tony Stark's own technology against him by creating this, this forge, this giant space station for humanity as a way to destroy mutant kind. So in, in the center of the forge is the mother mold. And if you don't know what a mother mold is, uh, I think you might know what a sentinel is. That's a pretty, you know, just entry-level x-men thing there's just a mutant hunting robot right it's a big tower long thing uh kills and destroys can see uh a mutant and but isn't soul's hammer something that's from like it's not a shiar thing no no it's not a shiar thing did i read that wrong okay forgive me i thought i never mind forget me forget what i said all right moving on clearly i'm still clarifying okay so the thing that I realized in going back, even going back through my notes after read, like, so I read all 12 issues and then I went back and like curated my notes for the show. In going back through my notes, I suddenly realized that the titles of each of the years, like when you get into Powers of 10 and they say, uh, year one is called The Dream. And it's like, yeah, oh my gosh, it's finally making sense because that's the that's the time thread where Moira talks to Charles about this is not the right dream. You have a new have a new dream. Brain what's, explosion. Uh, uh, what's what's Professor X's dream, right? Oh, it's like peace, peace between, between humans. And the mutants. best gift of all: peace between humans and mutants. But 
Uh, Moira tells him and convinces him that it's it's a lie. It's, yeah, it's not that's the not right the dream. dream. That's not the right dream. It's always going to fail. So I thought, oh my God, that all of these titles suddenly are exploding in my brain, making so much sense. Year 10 is the world. So that's the world in which they built, right? Boom. Year 100 is the war. Mm -hmm. And that's the Apocalypse Life 9 timeline. So that makes so much sense. When the war. The war. And then it's crazy the details you miss when you're not actually reading. <laughs> okay. And then and then year 1000 is the ascension, which is the phalanx, which makes so much sense because that's the one that they all just like boop, disappear and ascend. Yep. So that was amazing. Okay. Um that was Hox uh, that was Pox one or I honestly like I don't know. I think it was number no that well, yes, but you still you you know that you can say Hawks one and Pox one and all of that, and I don't know. I just know it's number two in the order. All right, I still you. don't know, yeah. friends. I still don't know. Uh, I might so, never know. So just let it go. So I don't I don't know if it was Powers of Ten number one, but it was definitely by Powers of Ten number two, where we had our first time. She did not going. She did not enjoy going through an issue. She at the end of the episode, she, like I remember, you had a headache. You were just like, "Oh, that was just too much." You were for like, my "What brain. are your overall thoughts?" I'm like, "I don't <laughs> know. I don't have any thoughts left." <laughs> my brain is melted. So, all right. So, in that issue, Cardinal says in year 100, "I will see you both when this world is made again." So, does does that team like Cardinal Rasputin? Do they know what they know? Everything inside Moira's head at that point. We don't know. We don't know how much they know. Well, I'm going to assume that they do, because why would he say that if... Yeah. I mean, I know he's religious, but he said when this world is made again. Mm -hmm. So to me, that just means he knew. Yeah. I thought that was interesting, and I was going to bring this up later, so maybe I won't say it now. <laughs> okay. So also, I just want to just point out how much of a bad mama jamma Rasputin is. Oh, yeah. She's great. She's amazing. Uh, so that that's a good segue into Chimeras. So Chimeras were introduced in Powers of Ten number one, and that is taking separate mutants and combining their powers. So making just super hyped up jacked mutants. Uh, Rasputin is what? Kitty Pride, Colossus, Colossus, Quentin Quire. Magic? Is no. she magic? No, but she can just use the sword. Eunice the Untouchable, and there's one other one. It's in the book somewhere. We could find it, but that would waste time. Um, well, uh, Wolverine, Laura Kinney. Ah, Wolverine. X-23. X-23. Okay, so that's that's that. Okay, but also speaking of chimeras, Apocalypse is responsible for the chimeras. Mr. Sinister. But like under Apocalypse's rule. Yeah. He was mutant leadership at the time, yes. So in that life when Moira was, which was six? Nine. Nine. So six is year one thousand. Yes. You guys see why this is this so is, difficult. You she, understand? She's still putting it. I'll together. never get it. I'll yeah. never get it. Sometimes I don't even know it. You know, and it's just I, I feel like this has helped me wait, obsess over. Everything. Just wait a couple minutes until my all. Wait until you see like how cuckoo crazy I am. I don't know any of her notes. I don't. I, I know. I know the cuckoo crazy. What she's referring to. Okay. So. Fun fact, right? So I started looking up like, all right, because Cardinal's on one of those tarot cards, right? So there's those three cards. There's the Magician and the Tower and... Um, I don't think Cardinal is, but Rasputin is. No, Cardinal is... is... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Lost Religion. Yep. Yeah. You're right. So I started looking up like what a Cardinal means or like where Cardinals oh, in, like in come religion. from, right? In religion. So they're like leaders of churches and things like that. But also a Cardinal is 
like the bird cardinal is mm -hmm. a, a messenger letting you know that loved ones are still with you. And like when you're doubting your strength and your ability, the cardinal is there to remind you that you're strong and that you can keep pushing forward. And I just thought that was so interesting because yeah. like that's as as a character, right? When you are set up with a character who is a pacifist, who doesn't fight and who is put on a team that's meant to be fighting. In you're a like, war. Right, in a war. Like why? Why is that a thing? And if you think about every team needs a motivator, every team needs someone who's going to like push you forward and remind you that you're strong and that you can still do things. And so that sort of double meaning of a cardinal, I just thought that was interesting. Um, all right. So. And OK, so if you're 1000. Right is life six, which we find out like later on. Later on, uh, and do we describe lives or? All right. So if you if you give <laughs> here's like a brief little tidbit. If you are like new to Hawksbox and you have no idea what we're talking about, there's a character and her name is Moira, and she leads many lives. And basically, her mutant power is that every time she dies, she's reborn, reincarnated as herself, yeah. and she like relives her life and there's right now no explanation as to like how her past lives like she remembers everything from the lives before but there's no knowing if it's creating like multiple time threads or if like there's any effect on her past lives like into the new I, I don't know it's just like for some reason when she dies she's reborn and everything starts over her mutant power is reincarnation so when she dies she goes right back to where she started life she wakes up in the womb having lived a past life but like how does that affect all the other people in all of their lives it doesn't. Like, i just don't understand it resets it. everything it resets everything and starts again from square one she is the omega she is the one that's writing this this timeline, this alternate universe, and we don't know if it's an alternate universe. And that's kind of like the frustrating part. Uh, and, and one of my favorite lines that Alicia would gradually get more and more frustrated with, all we can assume, or mm. we, can, we can assume, right? Because this this is a credit to Hickman's storytelling. This is an onion story, right? So an we onion. are we are gradually peeling back layers of this onion to reveal the core of what's really going on. Yeah, and so Justin would have read, like, he has read all of them before, so I'd make guesses of things, and he'd say, we can assume, or as we can assume, and I'm like, you know the answer, you know. I'm not going to tell you. That's spoilers. So, anyway, back to what I'm saying. Is the idea for creating this backup of mutants, this database, is that idea in year 10 stemmed off of the backup that Nimrod is creating in year 9? Potentially. Like I, I I read that and I or I was thinking about it and I was like, all right. So Moira's learning everything that she's has happened around. and she's keeping all of that information. So she's obviously got to be getting ideas about mm -hmm. how they better how they one up the, or, the so she's, opposing team. So so to counter that, she's seen this. She's aware of that happening. Right? She knows yeah. that Nimrod. She lets Professor X read her mind. He's the he one that creates about this this upgrade of Cerebro to copy a mutant's mind rather than just locate people. So this is like a next generation of Cerebro. Uh, and and also to use mutant powers in tandem with each other to do new and interesting things. One of them being resurrection. Mm -hmm. Yes, resurrection, which I have qualms about, which I will get to later. Okay, now in the Many Lives of Moira X, which is House of X, it's 
issue three in the overall timeline, right? It's House of X number two, I, I guess. Oh, no. One of my little thingies fell out. I need to keep that in there. Okay. So when, when Moira's talking about her lives, mm -hmm. and as I'm reading it, and it's going panel by panel, and it's sort of in this, like, narration where it's talking about Moira in, as someone else is telling the story, like this, mm -hmm. this, this. Then all of a sudden, we get to this one place where she says, you would think being totally aware and trapped inside your mother would lend itself to madness. And she's, she's just talking about the idea of being reborn, but now all of a sudden she's talking and she is in the outfit that she's wearing when she's talking to Professor X in year 10 and, and there's a yellow background. So all of a sudden my brain was like, holy crap, this is Moira explaining all of her past lives to Professor X. Right. That is why art is so important because this is like usually in this panel of her coming up. So if you can kind of see it, I'm talking about this panel, this panel right here is a terrible view, but you get it. Two and three. What is this? Oh, number 11. You fell out again. All right. Well, anyway, so there's that. Now I have a question and I don't know if you have an answer. Okay. So on that following page in this same issue where Moira's explaining her lives this and is House of X number two. Uh yes, House of X number two, overall issue number three. And it's talking about her being reborn and kind of goes on and and it's more it's a data page. So it's more just like straightforward storytelling. And there the phrase a life of the mind is in bold. Mm -hmm. Why? I'm not sure. So it's in the paragraph, it says her teachers began to use words like advanced and clever, which led to other words like brilliant and prodigy, which eventually led to Moira being pushed in the direction of academia, a life of the mind. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, what does that mean? A Do, life of the mind. I think uh, I think that might be and it's just to call attention to it. But I think it might be because of a lot of themes about intelligence and what the power of intelligence does. So to highlight a life of the mind as like a theme that then goes forward. Because even in, I think maybe powers of 10 too, when, when the old man is talking about mm -hmm. what machines are, how they can be reduced into information and atoms. And so I think that that's what that's hinting towards. Okay. Because then on the next page, the last line says, and the path of her life would diverge. Mm -hmm. And I know that in year 10 slash also kind of year one, see why this is confusing. It, it talks about how they like break all the rules and they go off the plan that they normally go off of. So just, I just, I thought that was interesting to point out, like, yeah. why are they, why are they bolding things? I have so many questions. Like if I could get my hands on like behind the scenes information about what all these little subtexts mean and why things are highlighted and things like that, like I would have a field day with that. Okay. So yes, I just talked about that and I talked about that. So now, all right, so do you have any any revelations about House of X number two or anything on your little secret I notes? I didn't take notes. I didn't take notes. I've been taking notes all months. No, I meant like of those notes you've been taking all months, like uh, the ones you were just saying, like I. The lives, the, the House of X number two. Uh, Moira's life nine is the most interesting to me and especially how it connects. So these these comics came out a year ago. Alicia only knows these comics. I keep her in the dark on everything else. She doesn't look up the, the stuff, so she experiences it in real time. I read week to week, real time. And Life 9, 
I have questions about Life 9, and I don't know how to phrase those questions without spoiling future, but it ties into Ten of Swords, which is the crossover event that happens basically a year after this this mini. Okay. All right. So I just like looked at the time and I know we have some guests coming. So I wanna like I wanna get to my like cuckoo crazy though. So all right. Well, I'm just gonna shoot some questions off at you. Okay. So um in Issue number four, we're together now, you and I. Um, Krakoa says, this body once belonged to a mutant who could communicate with anything. Is Krakoa in Cypher's body? And if so, Cypher do does not look like Cypher. So there was a data page where they talked about each of the remaining mutants. Yes, the surviving mutants. Yep. When it talked about Wolverine, okay. it said pure blood. Yes. When it talked about... Krakoa and Doug, it actually, it, it listed both of them, I believe, and, or Krakoa slash Cypher and, and described them as a symbiotic relationship. Yes. We don't know anything further about what happened in that timeline to combine. I, I like, I don't know. Some of these questions that you have to understand. I, I know. I just want to yeah, know right. the answers so and they, I wish that you knew everything. They merge. And, and I don't even know in real continuity in, in revised continuity where we're at now what that meant you know something happened that merged the two of them together so that's that's an interesting thing to think about and to, to pull forward to see if that happens or to watch their relationship because they do have an interesting relationship yeah they definitely doug, do doug cypher his mutant ability is to be able to understand anything right so he is the first person that can actually communicate with krakoa xavier can kind of empathetic mind control mind speak with him you know telekinetic uh, tele blah, 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 telepathic talking with him but it's really more like empathic. It's more like Krakoa sad or Xavier friends. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll let it be. So in terms of Krakoa, I'm I'm skipping ahead a little bit. So I'm in issue number six, once more onto the breach. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we, in the previous issue, I noticed that on the uniforms of the, the people from the church of the Ascension or like those, those peeps, they have this, this, the brackets and it's like two straight lines. So it's like an 11 in brackets. That's on their uniform. And then if that is year 1000, which is life nine, then in that year is the year that Moira and Wolverine way in the end are finding out what, what, is, what is it? I'm just laughing at the comments. I wish I could see them. Okay. Finish what you're doing. All right. So I'm distracted. All right. So, okay. So in life nine, in year 1000, at the end of that, that is when Moira and Wolverine realize that the librarian can understand English. Mm -hmm. So then in year 10 is when they create the language, the Krakoan language. And that the symbol over the key of the Krakoan language is brackets with an equal sign, which is taking the Church of the Ascension and flipping it sideways. Mm -hmm. Does that mean anything? Do you all think that means something? Does that mean nothing? And I'm just searching for clues that don't exist. But these are the things. These are the things, people, that I think about. Is Krakoa a caveman? No, Krakoa is an island. So Krakoa is a mutant, and its mutant power is that it is a living island, that it can grow, and it is a sentient ecosystem. Yes, so it's an island person being that all of the mutants have as a sanctuary to live on. So it's alive, but they live on it, but it's a person, but it's an island. All of the things. Got that? Not confusing. Um, okay. Um, 
where do I want to go? Oh my God. I just have to say, Mr. Sinister, even reading even further into the comics and hearing Mr. Sinister or hearing him, hearing him in my mind, like reading him, his dialogue. And when he calls someone, he says, he calls Charles a peasant because Charles is, so he's like admiring Magneto's like, look, what's not the actual Sinister. It's one of the clones, but he's like, he's like, oh, like you're fantastic. And then says something to Charles. Like, I'm not sure about you peasant man dressed in your peasant suit. Like I died. I was like, you called Charles a peasant. If you don't know who Mr. Sinister is, I think he's going to be really big when the X-Men come to the MCU. I hope so. I, that's someone that I would like to see built in the background. He was kind of teased in the background of the new mutants, uh, maybe I shouldn't have spoiled that. Huh. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Hey, we were waiting years for it. Forget about it. Yikes, it happened. It okay. Happened. My bad. So, all right. I just want to point out in terms of if you are feeling like completely lost by what we're saying because of all these different years and timelines, know that you're not alone. And literally in one of the issues, the this whole interaction with the phalanx who is this greater being that they want to ascend to become like a, like a hive of. mind intelligence of techno organic matter that destroys and consumes everything living yeah and, and then absorbs its intelligence or can absorb its intelligence if it chooses that it's worthy yes so if you're worthy yes okay so this, this whole interaction happens and then the librarian who is one of the characters who is wanting to ascend Literally, the quote, they say, I do not, I don't understand what just happened. And I read that and I've never felt more seen. I was like, me either, me either. either. I don't know what's going on. So there's just one thing I really want to bring up. There's two things I really want to bring up before I bring out my board of crazy. Oh, Grinch. We don't have any (laughs) more. I drank too much last night. So two things I want to bring up before I bring out my board of crazy. The first is that there is a there's a whole section that talks about when they're talking about resurrection, okay? And there this idea of like how resurrection happens. So quick recap. When mutants die now in this like current timeline in year 10, mutants cannot die because there are the five, these five mutants that band their powers together to basically reincarnate or recreate the mutant that has died. So there's one mutant called Gold Balls who has eggs. And I really was trying not to to laugh when I said Gold Balls, but I said it anyway. So Gold Balls creates these eggs and then someone makes them viable Pro- yeah. Proteus, Proteus, yep, yeah. makes them viable, and then another person injects the DNA, and then they get like their life process gets sped up, and then Xavier puts their like mind back in their body. Okay, so when their when their body is created before it has its mind in it, it's called a husk. Okay, so they they're talking about the different what number did I put this as so I can say okay number nine. All right, so they're talking about the different the different ways or the processes in which they they do this. And they mentioned that every time Proteus uses his energy force, right? His his power to to manipulate things. Every time he does it, it takes a lot out of him. And sometimes he does multiple in a day. And when he does multiple in a day, he like gets really worn out and basically like burns through his body and then needs to create like needs to be in a new body. And the bodies in which they're using for him the husks are Charles, Professor X. Okay. But then they also say That's crazy, right? In, that's crazy. But they also say in another issue that they've 
they've, they've not never put, the put in... a mind of another person yeah. in like they've never taken like say your body and put my mind in it. as part of resurrection so what kevin's doing what proteus is doing is his mutant power so proteus's mutant power while reality warping so this is an omega level mutant an all-powerful mutant that can warp reality all around him that's why he can take an unviable egg and make it able to be a life okay um his power burns through his body so he when he was a villain when he was initially introduced he would jump from one body to another and consume the soul of the person that was inside basically killing them and taking their husk of their body so he's not being resurrected when he takes over a new body of professor xavier right but what's the difference between his soul entering a husk and xavier putting it's just a different process. This is just how his power works versus this technology of the five working together. I was really ready to be like, this don't add up. But it do. Check my math. I still don't think it really adds up. I, I, I'll i I'll give it to you as like they're different processes, air quotes, but I still don't think it adds up. Okay. And now are you ready for the thing that I like freaked out about when I was reading the other day and I like said out loud like, what? Are you ready? I'm already. All right. So here we go. We're in um, the second to last issue and where Emma Frost is being brought to Krakoa for the first time. Okay. So they get there and it says later Krakoa and Emma Frost sighs. This in the background is Nimrod's tower. Mm -hmm. Why? What is Nimrod's tower doing on Krakoa? Uh, it's a tower. No. That's an invalid answer. <laughs> it wrong. I literally it's went just, back and I was is, like, this so is it's, the it's how did it Nimrod, get there? It's Nimrod's tower in year 100, right? Or, or it's also the Ascension, the Tower of Ascension in year 1000, right? Yes. So how that happens, um, can you, is this plugged in? The... Oh, snap. It's not. It's, that's a Don't worry. We'll fix it. Um, it's fine. I'll plug it in while you explain to me what I'm right, cool. not understanding. And so we don't know the specifics about where this tower comes from or how it then ends up in the wrong hands, but it is called in those tarot cards the, the tower, tower of, yes. of, of ascension. Right? Who's so this ascending now? Uh, we don't know. That's an Easter egg, and right? I found it and I want to know more. Well, there is more information as you continue to read too. Ooh, Ooh look at that. Okay. Are y'all ready for the the board of crazy? I don't think you're ready for this. So when I when I walked into our, we have our spare bedroom. We call it the room of requirement from Harry Potter. It's whatever you need it to be. And I walked in on her with all these note cards scattered around on this whiteboard, literally like she was putting up a crime scene. And I it is a crime. This time th these timelines are a crime. That's not that's it is a crime. That is a crime scene. Because this stuff doesn't make any sense. All right. I don't know. You're not going to be able to see this well. But basically what I've done here is I've, I've, I've lost my there, dang There mind. were strings on this, I swear. Yeah. And, and she had to take them off. So, all right. So what I did was I went through Moira's lives, okay? And I went through her journal entries that are at the back of the um, – so there's one issue where she has journal entries. And first of all, major questions that I have. Who is, like, whose data is this? Whose information are we reading? All this redacted stuff, these copies of journal entries, the data pages. Like, whose data is it? Where's the red yarn? 
Whose data is it? That's what I want to know. We don't know. These these questions, you know, most of the questions that you have, I can't answer. I don't like that. I want answers. Well, then you know what that means. You got to keep on reading. Got to keep on reading. Okay. So there's just a couple of things that I... I think we're not going to go too, too in depth into this, but I just want you to know that this is how I was able to put the timelines together. I I was concerned, legitimately concerned when I saw this board and just like the frantic look on her face. Because here's the number one thing that is annoying to me. And I, John Hickman, if you're watching this, if you're out there or if anybody knows and anybody wants to explain to me how time works in powers of 10, please explain it to me because here's the thing. Okay. Year one Mm -hmm. is X to the zero power. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Year one. But year 10 is the same time thread as year one. We can assume. (sighs) However, there are way more than nine years between year one and year 10. What? Because the exponent. So whatever year you're in to that exponent that that creates and that's what I thought of. And and I don't know if I can actually explain it, but because because we're we're talking about powers of 10, right? We're talking about a year to a power. If we had if we're in year five or year one to the second power, right? Five times five, that's 25. So that's really year 25, right? There's a lot more space in between year one and year so 10. So I have to be an algebra whiz to understand. Get your math out of my comics, Hickman. Get your math out of my comics. Like, here's just like a little, a Duh, little taste the of the exponent. crazy. He says completely lost. <laughs> like, what? That's how I feel. What? Uh, because I'm looking, right? And so the timelines that are in the book and in the comics, they say like Moira's, it'll say like her 17th year or whatever. Or And then... So what I started doing was taking the years of the timelines and taking out time points like things like Moira decides she has to break Charles. Well, that's in journal entry 14, but that happens after journal entry 12, which is redacted. And then journal entry 48 is talking about Xavier and Magneto going to get Mr. Sinister. Um, But then that's, then there's journal entries and then there's points in the times like year 30 Year 30 in the timeline is actually when Moira's 47 years old. What does that mean? Math crazy, dog. So I'm just saying, I don't, I mean, I know we don't yeah. have all night to like really dive into this, nope. but I just, I'm just telling you that it doesn't add up. Yep. Okay. And I have insane serial killer tracking proof that it doesn't add up. And I will gladly 100% take a photo of this. So y'all can see and we'll post it on our social media so you can like really dive in and please, I'm begging you, tell me where I'm wrong. Like, tell me where I've made mistakes. Explain it to me because it's not, I don't understand, does not compute. Okay. So it's a huge board. It's many, many, many index cards. And and it's just a, a, a testament to the levels of nerddom that Alicia brings to this conversation because- you know, I have the background knowledge, but she has the obsessive desire to understand so what I'm she does not understand. I want to know the answers, and I love detective shows, and I love solving crimes, okay? So I so, just... Uh, before we go any further, I think we might want to bring on our guests. Well, can I just hit them with a quick trivia question while oh, we're yeah, bringing sure. so our guests let's, on? Let's... let's um. So, yeah, right. So we want to ask to the audience... 
a Christmas trivia question, right? Yes. That's what you got? This is a Christmas trivia question. And it's not coming up. So I'm going to do one from memory. Um, this is a this is an easy one, okay? Throwing you a bone in case your bone your brain has exploded over the last 20 minutes of me talking nonsense X numbers to you. So hopefully you're gonna get this right. We'll shout you out if you do. In the Grinch, the Grinch is described as three words. The Grinch, three things. What is it? Hit what, me with it. What Go. are those three things? What are those three things? In the comments on the YouTube. Hit me with your trivia. Hit me with your trivia. And then, yay, friends. Then we're bringing on our friends. I'm so excited. We have nerd stink, friends. Stank, stunk. Who did it? Who Ed. Got it? Ed for the oh, win. Where is, it? where is it? It's not. It's not in my studio. I can't pull it up on the screen. Stink, stank, stunk. That oh, is correct. Yeah, we got Tim. Just, uh, just a couple of, couple of seconds too late. But we got. All right. Yeah. Stink, stank, stunk. Cap. Stink, stank, but, stunk. Yeah. You know, Tim's got. Tim's got the commas. You know. He's got the the added. Yes. Until part three, old friend. <laughs> Charles, you got, you did it again. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.